Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rhetoric, Berto Willis. Today we have a very special guest. She is running to defeat an incumbent, a strong one at that, Senate District 15, the one and only John Whitmer. So who do we have with us? None other than Molly, Molly Cook. Cook. <laughs> Molly, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Well, let me tell you something. When uh, you decided to join this race and you decided to go big, didn't you? I did. I did. It felt right. Well, I not only did it feel right, it is time. The time is actually right for us to change the definition of leadership in this country. So I, I'm happy that, uh, that, that, that you're doing this. First of all, let's start a little bit about, uh, tell, tell me a little about you. What kind of person are you? How'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Grew up that sort of thing. Oh, great. So I grew up in the Northwest suburbs. I grew up in Spring near Klein High School um, with my parents, older brother, younger sister. And um, I went to high school in the Woodlands at College Park High School. Most people don't know that one, but um, high school in the Woodlands. And then I did uh, undergrad at UT and actually started as a music performance major and ended up switching into nursing. It didn't feel right to spend time in a practice room by myself for hours a day. I really wanted to be a nurse and achieve um, what was basically a childhood dream of being a nurse. And uh, the first time I ever wanted to be a nurse was in seventh grade. And my pastor's wife was the uh, my dog. <laughs> hey, my it, it's, it, it's real. It's good. It's good. It's real. We're real. <laughs> um, <laughs> The pastor's wife at my church was actually the nurse at my junior high, and I spent a lot of time in her office, and I saw her respond when a kid actually cracked his head open on the, on the playground one time, and she, this is gross little TMI, but she came in carrying like a trash bag full of like blood, and <laughs> I thought, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen, and I want to be the person that you call when an emergency happens, and so that seed was planted, and I did end up becoming an emergency room nurse, which was my dream. Well, you know, um, especially in these times, I think um, I think there are two professions that I really uh, revere. That is teach <clears throat> teaching and nursing. And the reason why is that you just look at the history of, of, of the things of what we need right now, and those are just our basic needs. Now, you decided to um, just, well, well, first of all, activism isn't new for you at all. Tell us a little bit about how you've engaged the community before, you know, many people think, you know, decide I want to be a politician and I just go in there and I, I want to get votes, but uh, very few people really earn, deserve the right to earn the vote. Tell us some of what the things that you've done. Yeah. So when I moved back, I got a, um, let me, let me start. I was an emergency room nurse because I wanted to be able to deal with emergencies, but also because you get to really understand what's going on with folks. Um, I always say that the emergency room in jail is where people end up when we don't know what else to do for them. And it was very eye-opening. And so I was motivated to learn more about how I could help people and got a master's in public health. And when I moved back to Houston, ready to get to work, I was looking for ways to get involved in air quality. And that's how I found my way to the I-45 fight. And the I-45 fight has been the most meaningful and fulfilling work of my entire life. And it's been really exciting because we've A, been really successful. That project is still not expanded. And B, we worked across diverse groups uh, across the city, county, every area affected by I-45 and worked together lockstep, which um, you know a lot of people talk about in nonprofit work. People end up siloed. They don't work together well. We didn't see that at all. It's been, um, it's been really, really cooperative work. 
um, with a lot of people. And what I was excited to bring to that fight, uh, I remember showing up to the first meeting and saying, well, is this, is this an election issue? It was during our city elections at that time. And then they were like, will you chair the elections committee? <laughs> so, so, you know, you show up, you end up doing, you end up in charge of something. But anyway, um, and that was kind of the first thing I offered. And then we did a bunch of door knocking. So I organized, um, you know, I said, why aren't there residents in this room who are directly affected? And so I organized door knocking and we went out and this was um, largely in 2022 when the pandemic was kind of in full throw for all of us. We didn't know what was going on, but door knocking was still a safe activity to do. So we spent a lot of time organizing that. We hit as many doors as we possibly could that would be affected by the expansion. Um, started translating everything into Spanish so we could reach folks in the language they preferred to be reached in. And the group grew and we built a real grassroots resistance. It was very exciting. Now, SD15, uh, you, you get elected, you won the election, and you not only win the primary, but eventually you win the whole thing and you, you, you go to Austin and you're going to support that particular district. There's a whole lot of needs in the entire state of Texas. Um, but specific to your district, what's one of the first things that you intend to go ahead and do for your um, constituents and the constituents of Texas as a senator, you're responsible for the whole darn state? Yeah, absolutely. One of the first things, and so if I went in the primary, um, you know, we have a safety district and I won't stop campaigning. We, we have to make sure, right, this, this doesn't flip, but I will have the opportunity to start fundraising and, and knocking doors for other candidates who will have a more competitive general. So that would be very exciting to continue to get out the vote in the district and make sure that our Democrats are, are showing up and feeling powerful at the polls and then moving into the session as well. And of course, I'll start preparing for the session, kind of what kind of bills we want to submit on day one and, and who we want to partner with and what kind of relationships are we building. Um, you know, with a public health background, I have a unique preparedness to really look at what are the needs and what are the assets of the district. Um, why are there problems? Where are their successes? And how can we build on those? So that is the work that would begin after the March primary if I were to win. And it really is a very diverse district in every sense of the word. In this neighborhood, you only hear about flooding. In this neighborhood, you hear about schools. In this neighborhood, you hear about um, you know, displacement. And in every neighborhood, you do hear about voting rights. It's a big concern that's been at every single door. So all of those issues are near and dear to my heart. I want to focus on public health and public safety and what that means can be very broad, right? You know, what makes us healthy, what makes us safe? And it's not just the obvious things a lot of the time, and it's things like environmental justice. And that's sort of the why we do anything, you know, it needs to be equitable, it needs to be outcomes focused. So environmental justice is a core value. And then um, I believe in the power of organizing, and that would be something that I would bring that I see missing from the Texas Senate is really a focus on organizing, on making sure that whoever is in Austin, folks feel powerful to advocate for themselves, uh, are educated on the process and where they can be involved and where they can speak up for themselves, and then supporting people in advocating for themselves and um, you know making contacts across the state so we can shape change in whatever issue areas are important to folks. Now, Molly, that's a candidate and the candidate message every single candidate, not only on the state level, not only on the local level, but on a national level, that's what I would like to hear out of them. 
that they are going out there to organize and they're going to talk to the people, bring the people in. One of the problems that I find that we have is people all want to govern in the abstract. They don't want to go into the neighborhoods. They don't want to go into the barrios. They don't want to go into the ghettos or all these other places. And it seemed to me like you're ready and willing to go. Now, uh, when the Chronicle decided to endorse, I, I wanted to get a full picture of all these issues. And I found it a bit insulting and pathetic that one of the reasons to keep somebody in office is he's been there and he has experience of having been there without saying, did he fight for uh, monies that was already allocated for Texas and Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, which uh, because as a state, we have refused it, has continued to kill a bunch of Texans. You don't have to use those words. You're a politician now and you have to, you're responsible for knowing how to say things. But in that light, we have a legislature in Austin that does not have the best interests of the citizens at hand. How are you going to use your power of organizing to let people understand? Because uh, let me back up, this is a long question, but I have to ask it in this manner. If tech, Texans are intelligent, our population's intelligent, just uninformed or misinformed, there is money on the table already paid for by Texans to give all our indigent care, to give those with a low salary care. Nobody knows it and nobody is telling our citizens that. How do you intend to do it without them, without allowing them to caricature your support for such a uh, for such a bill i would be so excited to go around the state to make sure people are aware to go into every neighborhood i see a lot of opportunities specifically with medicaid expansion transportation reform um, i can tell you com with total confidence <laughs> that there are a lot of people mad at TxDOT across the state in all kinds of different communities whether that is suburban urban or rural um, and then, of course, with education, the state is failing all of us in all three issue areas, and people are upset about it. Um, you know, whether it's broadband access or Medicaid expansion, the people want it. 70% of Texans want Medicaid expansion, but I think fewer than 45% even knew that we were one of 12 states to opt out of it. You know, there, like you're saying, there's an education gap there. So um, I am a working person. I'm a nurse. I clock in and out of my job. I see what's going on with folks. I'm doing the real work. And I feel confident that I could make a difference going into communities and making sure people know. And, you know, if, if there's a Republican legislator or a Democratic legislator who is not representing the will of their people, then let's talk to their people. You know, let's have people talk to people. Um, and shift power. I'm not interested in holding on to power and keeping it centralized. I'm interested in making the people powerful so that we can really shape this change. So I think it looks like getting in your car, going down the road and talking to people and doing that um, nurturing and loving work that it takes to build an organization. Now, as a nurse and someone who knows it, it seems like you are, I don't know how you're saying it, sumamente cualificada, as you are ultimately, uh, that you, you're definitely, uh, qualified to challenge the, your, the current senator on that particular issue, and not only that, to garner support from his base 
on on specifically on healthcare, but all the other issues that you just mentioned, boat transportation and otherwise. Um, are you do you have the what it do you have the resources to really take care of getting your message out in the form that reaches all those who are voting? I would say yes. And I would, um, our campaign has already showed that, you know, we, um, I can proudly say that today we've knocked over 47,000 doors. And that is with um, a pretty much all volunteer team. Um, you know, we, we definitely uh, fairly compensate the canvassers who are um, working for us, but everybody else is a volunteer on the team. And we've knocked that many doors. We have over 100 volunteers. So that is, you know, that's just the campaign. That's us starting day one with zero dollars and one volunteer, right? <laughs> that's mm -hmm. the movement we've been able to make since December 13th. And um, the district is being reached in ways that has never been reached before. You know, the incumbent's website is still only in English. Ours is in English and Spanish. Um, and with a little more resources, we'll get it in Vietnamese so that we can reach more people in, in more languages. Um, we have spoken to people like a woman in Spring Branch who told us her door has never been knocked on before. So the work of earning trust is slow, right? You have to show up and you have to show up over and over again and you have to give before you expect to receive and you have to be willing to uh, show people, make them feel heard. And the way they feel heard is by you acting on what they've told you, right? So um, I'm really confident in my abilities, basically with or without resources to do this work because I've been doing this work. But with resources that would come with the state Senate seat, I know that we can make change. Well, look, um, I always ask, this is the last question and that, and it's a free for all for you. And that is, uh, tell me what would you have liked me to ask you, whether one, two, three, ten questions that you want to concentrate in one answer and let me know, let, let the audience know what they need to know about you and how they can reach you. Okay, I would say just what is my what's the most because a lot of people ask what's your what's your main priority right and and the answer really is that it's not my priorities it's, it's whatever the priority of the people are so the way I kind of translate that is bottom up planning. So whether we're talking about policies projects or programs, we have to take a bottom up approach to planning and we don't do that in Texas it's very top down. And to do bottom up you have to center affected communities from the very beginning, so if you're building a freeway. You don't come in 20 years into designing it and ask them where they want an exit. You show up day one and say, mm -hmm. hey, you would lose your homes. What should we do? Um, so that is my value. I really do believe that people are smart and people need to be involved, that diversity creates the best outcomes and that everyone needs a seat at the table. And I'm committed to that. And then uh, to find us and to find out more, you can go to mollyfortexas.com. All words, no numbers, mollyfortexas.com. And then we're Molly for Texas across all social media as well. And you can really get a feel for who I am and what we're working on. Molly Cook, Senate, the State Senate District 15. Uh, she's she's going to be known pretty soon, maybe, as the incumbent killer. <laughs> Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you so much. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. 
Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.